speak.studio. Hi, I'm Abby, and this is We Have Notes, a podcast for the pop culture obsessed and the people who love them. You just get me solo today. No guest. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing when it's just me rambling. <laughs> it's truly, is my ego ever bigger than when I'm just talking to myself in a microphone and putting it out in the world? Probably not. But that's what we got this week. There's a lot going on and I feel like it'll just be a bunch of like bits and bobbles. So hope you're all doing well. Hope everyone's good. I'm getting ready to go to my college reunion this weekend at Duke. So I'm very excited um, to act like a young fool again. Um, not that I don't do that a fair amount anyway, but it will be good to do it with my old friends. Um, anyway, okay, so let's start with Succession. If you have not watched Succession and you don't want to talk about the episode, just fast forward a little bit. I'm not going to do an enormous segment. I did, um, write something for, for the Substack, which we'll talk a little bit about, but, um, so yeah, just fast forward a little bit if you don't want to hear things. Though I will say, I don't think knowing what happens can totally takes away from the experience of watching what I think is one of the best steps, might be the best episode of television I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I'm gobsmacked at how brilliant it was. So anyway, we're going to start talking about some things. So you have been warned about succession. So... The third episode of the final season of Succession aired on Sunday. Yet again, a great, great, great piece of evidence for why week-to-week television is still fucking fantastic. I actually was like celebrating Easter with my extended family, but knew like had been told and there was enough on the internet and a friend had told me like I don't go online if you don't watch it live so I was like just a little bit behind but again spoilers um I I still am like have an emotional hangover from the episode Logan Roy dies Okay, and this shouldn't really be so shocking because he is an old man who has had health problems throughout the entire run of the show. It like begins with that. Like it's called succession. We're trying to find out who's going to replace him. Like it shouldn't have felt as shocking as it did. And it just still it was. Um, And so. I wrote. A pretty personal and like vulnerable piece for sub for we have notes.substack.com because my experience of watching the show was really, really emotional. Um, like shaking, like physically shaking, like crying. Um, because the way first of all the show starts, it's just like feels like a regular episode, right? Like it's snarky it's connor and willa's wedding 
on this yacht. Um, is Logan going to show up? Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, Tom is trying to get a hold of Shiv and then he gets a hold of the boys. And for a while, like many people, I was like, no, this isn't really happening. They're not really giving him chest compressions on this plane. Like he's fucking with everyone. Like this is Logan. Um, and he's a madman that way. But I thought it was just the storytelling of that, that we would, that you would buy into that. And then how much that is like such a layered reaction to the denial that a lot that you can feel when you get a phone call like that. And so I'm not going to rehash the entire thing I wrote. You can go read it. It's, it's not behind the paywall. Um, but if you have ever gotten a phone call like that, and I have about my mom and it was sudden and just the way they then played that out through the episode the the panic the terror the denial the negotiating the trying to control the things that you think you can control like get me the best plane doctor you know like uh, the things Kendall's asking for like having to go tell somebody like when the the shivy honey oh killed me Sarah Snook was so they were all every single person it was an a master class in acting a master class in directing and I've never you know I said it was like the most effective and emotional if you know you know about what that feels like that I've I could ever imagine seeing on television and I know that a lot of people had that kind of visceral reaction and if you have been through something like that First, I'm very sorry that you had to go through something like that, and it sucks. But also, I know people who had to take breaks while watching, you know. I mean, it's just, it was it was great art. And and if you haven't gone through something like that, that didn't, that doesn't diminish the experience of watching it. It, it was just phenomenal. And I think there was so, there's so many layers. I've watched it three times. I mean, A, because I wanted to write about it, but it's just, it's that compelling. And it kind of, you know, to do that in the third episode of the final season, like with all this space left to then, you know, it it just propelled the story forward in such a, a phenomenal way and gave these performers so much to do. And, and the way it was shot and that they're that they're trapped kind of on this boat which is what you feel stuck when that happens and you're trying to figure out how to make things work and um it was it was it was incredible it was really incredible television i can't wait to see how the the final episodes you know the rest of the episodes play out um i've always had full faith in this creative team but after that it's like oh yeah like bring it on like this is so phenomenal um so check that out on substack and also i think what i didn't really talk about as much as i because it wasn't really the focus of the piece but i'm so glad that willa and connor got married after all of it there was something so tender and sweet even with these fucked up people um I don't know. I'm kind of rooting for those kids now. 
Alan Ruck was great. Like, it just, I can't, like, Kieran, Jeremy, Sarah, like, every single person. Uh, Tom was such a rock for them um, in, like, their worst moments and just, you know, and, and the complex, the complexity of grief in talking about someone that they had a, a very strained relationship with their entire lives is is so real. Grief is not reserved for people who are loved unconditionally. And I think that we will be talking about this episode until the end of time. And it's been so great to just be able to take part in discussions around it and to know that so many people watched it live together. Of course, then there was the chorus of like, people spoiled it online, da da da, like West Coast. And I, I am kind of of the thing like, don't, if you know you live on the West Coast, like don't go online before you watch the episode. I don't know. That's kind of me. I mean, I, I lived in LA when the Lost finale was on and I like hid my computer away so as not to like accident, you know, cause there's like habit, especially if you're terminally online like me to, to go to things, to just peek at things um, and not really meaning to. And cause you just like by force of habit and um, yeah, I don't know. It can be done. And I know it was Easter, but like kind of makes it even more baller. <laughs> they just did the episode like that. Uh, anyway, uh, available to talk about this episode uh, seriously till the end of time. There's there's so much more to dig into. Like I think that's kind of what I said in my piece too. Like you took from it, and this is true of any great piece of art, but like or many things. Like you you bring your own life experience to it and take away from it what connected to you. But I don't know. There's this was like the next level, some next level shit. I my mind is so blown. Like, I can't believe that's a thing that got created by, like, humans. Um, so, the other big news that broke over Easter weekend that relevant to, to these parts is that Taylor Swift and her boyfriend, Joe Allen, of, like, six-plus years, broke up. Now, we learned about it this weekend. I, I do not think it happened last week. Um... The Entertainment Tonight had the exclusive first, and then it was quickly confirmed by all the other, like, kind of major legitimate outlets, you know. Not the sun. I mean, like, people, you know. And so it was just, like, people can confirm. And the way that the source for Entertainment Tonight said it was not dramatic, you know, they grew apart, you know, the the relationship had run its course it read like you know a a PR source 101 like I there is no doubt in my mind that Tree Payne Taylor's longtime publicist was probably that source um and that's also like when something gets confirmed that quickly by like people etc you know that's that's kind of how these things go I think we don't know what happened we know (laughs) We know that this information was released then. I it, it has it, the source said like a few weeks ago that's why he hasn't been on tour. And I think the questions were growing ever louder that Joe had not been at any of the concerts yet. And I think what probably happened is 
the questions got too loud or someone got too close or someone had something and they just they just been sitting on it because it's again it's it's truly not actually our business and they needed to to just put it out there because someone had the story or they were like yeah it's a holiday weekend and this is when we drop stuff like that it's it's kind of like old school celebrity pr 101 um and i hope it i hope it is as not dramatic as they say and that i hope everyone is fine these are real people it's sad when a long-term relationship breaks up um that's sad like i'm sad i think everyone is going to be okay but you know it's a bummer and you know certain songs are going to hit different now certainly um (laughs) swift talk is in shambles let me tell you this is one of those times when being an elder fangirl <laughs> just is it's better. Um, kids are freaking out. And, you know, I mean, there are people like filming themselves going to the old apartment on Cornelia Street. That song Cornelia Street is it's one of my favorite songs. Um, you know, and it says like. I hope I never lose you. I hope this never ends. I'll never walk Cornelia Street again. And I hope I never lose you. Hope it never ends. I'd never walk Cornelia Street again. That's the kind of heartbreak. Cornelia Street in the West Village in New York City. It's a fantastic street. One of my favorite parts of the city. But people are like laying flowers. Like it's like everybody needs to calm down. And, you know, there's there's people who are like everyone, you know, there's like Swifty influencers on TikTok who, you know, do a lot of Taylor Swift content that are like, I'm not going to comment on this. And then there's ones who are like, I am going to comment on this. And then there's all these people who are like, it's not true. I won't believe it until I hear it from Taylor herself. And I'm like, you essentially did. And also, when has she ever like, no, especially not at this point in her career, like is not. She's not going to like put something on like a notes app and like post it on her Instagram. Like that's not happening. So there's the deniers and da, da, da. and I you guys, you know how much I love Gen Z. I love them so much. But I have deep concerns about their absolute and again, well a corner of them obviously. It's not everybody, but lack of media literacy. It's bothersome. It's worrisome. It's troublesome. It's all the sums. I, <laughs> like something cannot be taken as fact because like a 20 year old made a video about it that a lot of people watched. That doesn't make something true. And I think, you know, a friend of mine were texting about this and she was like, oh, my God, I was just talking about this with my brother the other day. And she was like, they never had to check out an encyclopedia for sources. I was like, Th- that, I was like, they don't even know what, you had to go to microfiche to get things. I think it's just like, those are literal things, but like the sourcing something um, and not having it just served up into your feed matters. And like using your critical thinking skills, which I know are still developing when you're young. I get it. But, you know, just because you saw a random entry on De Moi, which is like, if you listen to this show, you know how I feel about that account and it's fan fiction extravaganza. 
you know, or so I saw a TikTok, so it must be true. And like, like thinking they understand how like the media works. It, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so I hope everybody like settles down a little bit. Taylor was reportedly spotted in Liverpool over the weekend shooting a video that maybe has Joey King in it, who was in the video for Mean when she was a kid. And then there's like rumors that Taylor Lautner is involved, but I don't know. Again, have not seen anything that really proves that. Um, So because I do have media literacy and critical thinking skills. But I would say it looked like from these grainy photos that definitely couldn't tell what was exactly happening. Maybe it was vigilante shit video. I don't know. And then she was back in New York on Monday night and she got papped at Via Carota, which is a very popular restaurant in New York City and coming out from having dinner with Jack Antonoff, who's her very good friend and producer and his fiance, Margaret Qualley, who's an actress, daughter of Andy McDowell. Um, I think that was like a very, she looked great. You know, these like, there's like kind of a baggy jean with a butterfly on it and like a sparkly purse and just a black off the shoulder top, her signature lip that felt very much like a, Hey, I'm good. I'm fine. Let me, let me get shot and everyone can have these pictures and that's fine, which is smart. That again is like, some classic PR moves. She's back in Tampa. If you're listening to this, the day it comes out tonight for three nights of the tour. Um, so that seemed, that seemed very smart. Like, well played. Tree and Taylor know what they're doing. Absolutely. Now, the other thing that, of course, happens with, with someone this famous and as a woman who writes about relationships sometimes, you know, the misogyny jumps out real fast and it's like, oh, she's going to write with breakup songs and yeah, oh, watch out, Joelle. You know, like the, the clickbaity headlines, which are so gross. Who's she going to date next? Oh, duh. it's like she and Joe have been together for a long time. She created a lot of great music while they were together. They wrote songs together. They seemed like they were a great pairing for a while. And what happens in life is that sometimes relationships end. And that is just what happens. And it's not, it just is. She's 33 years old. Like, you know, she's young. Like, and and the, the thing is this need for everybody to pair everyone off or like find a villain or find a hero, like in a relationship story, like, drives me crazy um the great news is is that being single is a perfectly wonderful state of being for any person famous or not um obviously I have like some some stakes in that and I probably a bit of a chip on my shoulder because I think the assumption around that you always have to be dating is stupid um, in general for any person. Like, it's okay to not want to do that or to not want to be in a relationship. And I have no idea what she wants to do. I'm not like, I'm just speaking broadly. But um, yeah, 
Just let the woman live. She's at the top of her game. She's never been – she's dominating the world right now. The peak of her career, Um, I think, you know, she hasn't really been in this this kind of career mode for a minute because of what happened in the world, you know, like the, the pandemic and – um, you know, her last tour was in 2018. And then these, you know, most of these album releases before midnight, midnight's, um, is, has been very different because she just surprise dropped folklore and evermore. And there wasn't like press, you know, they, there was virtual press and, and all of that. But, you know, Taylor is, in my opinion, one of the greatest songwriters who's ever lived. I think that even if you don't love her music or don't get into it, I think you have to have respect for what the career she has built. And yes, sometimes she writes songs about love and loss. Uh, Most art out in the world is connected to things like that. And as, as she has been burdened with this baggage her entire career... Um, it's so cringe to like see people still saying stuff like that, like as if, you know, male artists don't also write about romantic entanglements. She also writes about a lot of other stuff. And if anybody paid attention, it's, it's the people who don't pay attention that are saying this bullshit too. Right. But anyway, I wish everyone well. I hope everyone's doing okay. And I hope the fandom like settles down a little bit. Everybody listen to you need to calm down, (laughs) calm down. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. That's what I have to say about that. And we'll be right back with, with some other things. You need to calm down. You're being too loud. And And I'm back. We haven't really just gone through a rundown of like a lot of stuff that I've been watching lately. So I thought we'd do a little bit of that. But hot off hot off the press. I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Um, in the land of Vanderpump, we still have about a month before the reunion starts airing. But Tom Sandoval has chosen to go on Howie Mandel's podcast. Yes, Howie Mandel's podcast. Now, I have not listened to this, but I am just seeing this kind of summary on right before I started recording on Queens of Bravo's Instagram. They're they're like an update account, fan account that that gets me my information very quickly, and I appreciate them for that. So, I guess Howie Mandel's podcast is called the H Three Podcast. Okay. I'm just going to read a couple. Tom is so stupid. He's so dumb. Oh, God. Okay. So I guess, so they just excerpted some quotes. So again, I have not listened to this in its full context. So, you know, stating that for the record. So he does, I guess, confirmed that he was trying to get Schwartz to hook up with Raquel, which is what we've been seeing on the show. And that very awkward, like sitting in that like waiting pool table when they kissed last week on the show like anyway so this is Sandoval so Schwartz really wasn't that interested okay so Sandoval's quote is I'm like whatever you're dumb because I thought very highly of her Tom explained 
And then we were hanging out and talking. We had hung out one night and then a couple nights later again. We talked until the sun came up during the guys' night at the Mondrian, which we saw on the show. And I told we everyone who was watching was like, mm, this feels like if they haven't banged yet, it's they're inappropriately like texting or something. And by the way, oh, why wasn't Ariana his girlfriend there? Because she had just had to put her dog down. Her dog down. That's why she didn't go on the girls' trip, but then also didn't go out that night. Okay. So anyway, he continues. And then a few days later, we were at my house, and I'm locked out of my house, and we're talking, and we kissed. It was magnetic. We were moving closer, and as we were talking, time went on, and we're talking closer and closer and closer, and all of a sudden, we're kissing. I felt something that I hadn't felt in so long, like emotionally. Barf! So then he gets goes into, again, I don't know what else is talked about in the middle, that his relationship with Ariana was stale. And he said, quote, for a while, we had been having our own lives. We had been together for nine years. And obviously, we had built a house and business together and everything. We were a brand. Like, were you a brand? Like, it- sus. Anyway, and like many relationships, it became more of a best friend slash family slash sometimes roommate situation. There was a lot of ways where the relationship was just lacking intimacy, the connection, but that he wanted to keep, quote, keep the optics up that they were solid for brand purposes. I, I, I don't buy this for a second. Like, just break up. Like, Ariana did not think you were broken up and you were having an affair and... Being like it was for the brand. But like Tom, I don't see Tom and Ariana as like a brand. Mm. So he goes on, quote, I don't know how to explain it. We just sort of kept growing apart. I accepted it. This is just how it is. You get into a relationship for a long time and you stop having sex. That's just how it is. There were so many other perks. And then like in a parenthetical to dating her the building of the brand the image of it all we did have each other's backs for sure and that was nice there was a safety to it and stability i mean sir you're such a moron and then he says quote i turned 40 and i started to look at my life and it looked very bleak i started thinking that my best years were behind me and i started to lose my optimism in life and my drive I felt like I needed to make a change to feel alive again, to feel motivated, to feel optimistic again, and that he had been in a, quote, very dark place and, quote, yearning for a connection when he started his affair with Rachel Raquel. He says, quote, my confidence was zapped. A sexual experience with me would be like with a 19-year-old for his second time. I had no game anymore. That's what I felt reduced to. And I'm not saying it's Ariana's fault. We just didn't have that infancy. Ugh. This is just a bunch of excuses because this is a bad idea. And again, these people are so dumb. And talk about not publicity 101. Tree Pain would not approve of this messaging. Like, dude, that just way it sounds like a midlife crisis. And I'm not saying those things don't aren't feelings aren't real. But like you started fucking one of your girlfriend's friends. Like, whatever. I really can't wait for this reunion for them to get eviscerated. So 
That's the latest on Vanderpump. And I, I've heard that this week's episode, again, I'm recording before it's on on Wednesday night, is powerful. And I think we're going to see some shit on screen that knowing what we know now, you know, is a lot. So I'll be looking forward to that on Wednesday night. Now, on back on the TV front, Yellow Jackets. Another, another you know, buzzy, pun intended, show back for its second season right now. And I'm not as obsessed with it as I was, but I have faith. I'm trying to have faith. This week's was fine. Well, I will say that I am happy that we finally have gone full-bone cannibalism. Which is gross, sure, but you got to do what you got to do, you know? You got to do what you got to do to survive, and I think that I'm glad we're there. And, you know, they ate they ate Jackie, and the, the scene was like shot, it was like them really doing it, and then like this kind of fantasy, like Greco-Roman, like Bacchanal, and... I was into it. The music continues to be fantastic. This most recent up, oh, the faint sounds of These Are Days, 10,000 Maniacs, very important song when I was in high school. Actually, today is the kind of weather day that I would, I, 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 that song should be blaring from like all windows down, sun is shining, singing very loudly, which I was doing. I should have put these are days on. I was really rocking out hard to One Direction steal my girl this morning on my way home from yoga. Um, but that is beside the point. The, I, the music is still so great. I mean, we're getting our radio head, our Tori Amos, like as a teen from the 90s, this is all very important music to me. And I am digging the cult stuff with like Lottie and Nat. And I think Juliette Lewis has been amazing. She's just so, she's so great. And I think Christina Reach is finally getting a little more to do. So maybe things are going to start gelling together a little bit more. I just, um, I want to be as obsessed plot wise with it as I was last season. And I'm not quite there currently, but I still love it. It's fantastic. The performances are great. Now, another show that I've been watching that is, you know, teenage girl rage oriented. I started watching that show, The Power, with Tony Collette and like John Leguizamo and various people. I think it's it's on Amazon. And I, it's based on a book that I have not read. But basically, like, young women start developing this, like, new organ, like, evolutionarily speaking, because of, you know, how much danger <laughs> we're in all the time. Um, that creates these, like, electrical shocks. And they, they, they have, like, start gaining these, like, special powers. And then they, of course, like, people become terrified of them. And um, they're getting, like, quarantined and you know, sent away and separated out from their peers because not everyone has this. And it's very interesting. 
I'm kind of, I feel like I've seen enough episodes that I feel like we should be a little further along with where we're going, but I'm intrigued and I like the idea of like channeling like teen girl rage and angst and all of that in like a, a, like literally growing a new organ because we have to protect ourselves and save ourselves. And, you know, I, I think there's nothing more powerful than a teen girl. I've thought this since I was one. So that's an interesting one. I definitely think it's like worth watching for sure. And then I watched all of the Netflix show Beef with Ali Wong and Stephen Yun. And it was great. So I won't, no spoilers, but because there's a lot of twists and turns on this show. But um, Ali Wong is kind of like, you know, like a well-to-do like Calabasas entrepreneur who has this company that she's trying to sell to a larger company for a lot of money. And Stephen Yun is um, like down on his luck and struggling. And you get to learn more about that and like his immigrant parents and what happened to their family motel. And he's just in a tough, tough place in his life. And so there's like a road rage incident between the, these two people wherein they both react very strongly. And then this spirals into like a revenge plot of one against the other. And it's, it's fascinating. And I think there's been a lot of really great um, pieces and commentary written about the um, portrayal of the Asian and Asian American experience in this show, which obviously is not something I can speak to from my own experience, but I have found so interesting to read all these takes. And I would definitely recommend after you watch the show, because you don't want to be spoiled for like all the things that happen in this show, but it's like, it goes dark, dark places, which I love. And I think it just like, in you know, investigating like the modern psyche in a really interesting way and the way we react to people. And then you layer in, you know, perhaps being a child of immigrants or, you know, stereotypes that non-white people have to face in the world and, and all of those things. It's just, it's great. And then Maria Bello is, she plays like the billionaire woman who like owns the business that might be acquiring Ali Wong's business and she is fucking hilarious like she is going for it in this like way that you're like oh yes I totally feel like you know there's a little bit of goop in there there's a little bit like a lot of you know pulling from a lot of different um characters and I I just enjoyed her very much I mean you you would want to like smack her in real life probably but um it's great. It was I just like tore through the show. Um thought it was so 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 good. And I also really enjoyed watching Molly Shannon on SNL last weekend. I loved I think I talked about Molly's memoir when I read it on here and it was just really really beautiful and it's so much about um she lost her mom and and her 
sister, one of her sisters and a cousin in a car accident that they were all in when she was very little. And the way that weaves throughout her book and, and her life is she writes about it beautifully. But I used to have this like thing against Molly Shannon for a while, a long time ago, because it was like a me thing, not a her thing. Um, wherein I couldn't fully appreciate her for a while because she dated like my most formative ex-boyfriend before me. And I had like a whole chip on my shoulder about it. But I'm glad that's over because I think she's just wonderful in every way. Um, She seems like just a fantastic human. And I loved the episode and I loved that she brought back Jeannie Darcy with a Netflix special, Selective Startage, which is so funny. That's her like stand-up comic character where just like, don't get me started. Don't even get me started. But it was like shot like a trailer for a Netflix comedy special. It was great. And of course, Sally O'Malley, I'm 50, but like with the Joe Bros who were the musical guests and they all wore her like classic red, you know, jumpsuit and like the camel toe was there. All of it. She said, put some bonus in your Jonas, which is great. Loved it. Um, I thought the whole episode was really funny and I loved the very specific like comedy of the valet sketch. That is like, it was so love, 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 love. So check that out. If you don't usually watch SNL, it was good up. It was a really good up. And definitely read Molly's book. If you haven't, it's um, quite wonderful. And I will be back in a second with one of my favorite movies that I've seen in a while. Okay, I'm back. Oh, one more TV thing before we get to air, which I loved. Um, There was just news that Sam Page is going to be appearing on Grey's Anatomy. And you may remember him as Richard from The Bold Type, who was Megan Fahey's love interest. Megan Fahey is who everyone fell in love with on this season of White Lotus. And she is Sutton on The Bold, Play, uh, the Bold Type, which was low-key based off, after one of my old bosses. And it is a fantastic show, and I know I've talked about it before, but... Anyway, he was also Joan's shitty husband on Mad Men. He's very handsome. It's a little unclear what his like storyline is going to be. I think he's coming in as a patient. But um, one of my friends was like, what do you want to see from that? And I was thinking, because I'm struggling a little bit with Grey's, and I might write something about this for paid subscribers soon, just like a little letter to Grey's as we wrap, get close to wrapping up this season. And it is definitely coming back next season. Um, I have some notes. I think we've got some great things. I think we've got some problem things, but I, I was thinking about the like patients who become characters and things like that. I love multi episode arcs for patients, especially as we're kind of getting to know this new class of, of interns better and we're building these like, you know, almost like a new foundation for the show. And so I don't know that he would necessarily be like a romantic interest for one of these people. But I was thinking about like, I love Mandy Moore's arc on the show was so good. Um, You know, Scott Speedman started as a patient, but he was also a doctor. And now, you know, 
we're in a little bit of limbo with him, but he's still on the show and we love that. But also I was thinking about back when Scott Foley did the show and then became like a love interest for Teddy. Well, started, they got married so that he could be on her insurance and then, you know, then they fell in love and then, you know, RIP because everyone dies. But Teddy, Teddy's still around. Her character has been ruined, but back then it wasn't because she hadn't been saddled with Owen and they've ruined it. Well, Owen always sucked. But now they've ruined each other. So I, I was, I would like something that like brings Sam into the show in a real way and isn't just like a one-off, you know, story of the week, patient of the week thing. And the Scott Foley mold, and I would have to trust in the Gray's writers to figure out how that works because you can't do the same story again, obviously. But I don't know. That's that's what I'd like to see from that. I guess we'll find out what happens soon enough. Who else is still watching Grey's? Please let me know your thoughts on what has been happening since, well, this whole season. But, you know, and I don't think it's just because Meredith's not around. I think they've got some they've got some other issues as well. OK, um, something I did not have issues with is the movie Air. I fucking love this movie so much. It's one of my favorite things I've seen in a long time. Um, this is the Ben Affleck directed film about how Nike signed Michael Jordan when he was entering the NBA. And so it takes place in the 80s. It is a true love letter to the 80s, and it felt in in such a perfect way. And then, you know, you've got Matt Damon and Chris Messina and Viola Davis and Jason Bateman. Ben is in the movie too. He plays Phil Knight, who is a who started Nike and is like a quirky weirdo in a way that's really fun in this movie. Um and 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 is you know, based on how he really is. And you know, at the time, if you don't know, um Nike obviously was a big company and a public company, but it was not a basketball shoe company. Like it was definitely you know, behind Converse and Adidas in that in that way, they were just like an also ran, you know, like they were like, oh, that's running shoes. Like that's what Nike does. And they have this basketball division that um, Matt Damon's character and, and Jason Bateman's character work in. And they're, you know, Matt Damon's character has this idea like, like, we have to go all in on on trying to get Michael Jordan because they weren't going to get like he who had been drafted third, and it's it's really like a great underdog story. It's a it's such a fun movie. The script is great. It's very funny. It's emotional at times. Viola Davis plays Michael Jordan's mom, and she is wonderful. And she was really quite the driving force in in um, this deal and in like certain parts early in his career. And you don't you don't see Michael Jordan. This isn't a movie about Michael Jordan. So. The music, the soundtrack is incredible. I mean, you're getting like Money for Nothing, Legs, Sister Christian, like Can't Fight This Feeling, Tempted, There's Violent Femmes, oh, who, I mean, the Violent Femmes phase that I went through in middle school, me and my friends and our tapes, ooh, we thought we were very, very cool, you know, like very, very cool when we discovered Violent Femmes. Probably, I'm sure, through someone's like older sibling. And, oh, In a Big Country 
by Big Country. Such a great song. Obviously, from that era, loved it. And then I went through a real phase, <laughs> circa like 2005, with that song where I was putting it on like every like like playlist, like mix, like ever. Um, maybe I'm due for one again. But it, you were honestly like, I mean, I was like toe tapping. Like you like want to sing along in the theater. You have to like hold yourself back from singing along. And then just like the 80s references are out of this world. There's the there's a whole opening montage of like all the things like kind of going on in that in that time that felt like my childhood laid out before me. Like and then there's this like Coleco like handheld game. Like all these little things where you're like, "Oh, oh, oh." Like you see like Cabbage Patch Kids, which is so funny cuz I had just put a photo of my, me and my siblings with our cabbage, our original Cabbage Patch Kids in the newsletter last Friday because um, I was talking about how I wasn't really a Barbie person, but I was excited for the Barbie movie. But I was a Cabbage Patch Kid person. And I remember all of their names. Um, that was our first like that was this the the Christmas where like, I mean, it'd be on the news like parent like parents went to war to get these Cabbage Patch Kids. Like, it was out of control. And my mother secured for... My my first child was named Dale Jacqueline, D-A-Y-L-E. My sister had Maximilian Conway, and she had to remind me... Thank you, Amanda. Um, you know, my sister, his mother, um, that it was Maximilian Conway Jr. So I did have to, you know correct that in the in the newsletter and then my our little brother had tim otis not timothy otis his name was tim otis and he and for anyone who's too young like you know the cabbage patch kids cabbage patch kids growing in the garden cabbage patch kids growing in the sun um and they you got like your adoption papers for your cabbage patch kid they had their names like blah 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 and i remember a friend of mine said she reminded me a few years ago that apparently like my mom had was like somewhere where they were like they just got new cabbage patch kids and she was getting those for us I guess and then like got them for this friend of hers kids too and this is like a running story in their family about how Maureen Gardner like saved Christmas because she like found the cabbage patch kids for them which I love hearing I love hearing stories like that about my mom um but yeah, real Cabbage Patch Kid family. So that really took me down a journey because then I was thinking about like, I I wanted a preemie when they came out. I also had a Kusa. Do you guys remember Kusas? Those were like the animal type ones. Mine kind of looked like a, it was like a yellow lion-y looking thing. I don't know what they were quite supposed to be animal wise, but I loved my Kusa. I used to like, I had them all set up on like in a row in like chairs in my room, which I'm sure looked super creepy. But anyway, all of those like cultural reference points in the movie were just amazing. The outfits, all that stuff. And it's just like a really funny, emotional, great story. It's like an hour and 50 minutes. Like it's like tight. Um, the performances are all amazing. You're, you're dealing with like some of the great, you know, 
performers of like their generations. And I mean, basically Ben Affleck just like really makes movies of the sort that I like to see. They're just really entertaining. I mean, I'm I'm team Ben since back in in my college days when they first hit the scene. Um, I've always been team Ben, but like Matt, Matt's phenomenal in this movie and everyone is. It's just it's just like I I dare someone not to enjoy themselves at this movie. And uh yeah. So please like go see it. It's just it's really great and if you don't know the story of of what really happened, it's pretty phenomenal and how they decide to add more color to the shoe and like the the shoe designer guy is such a great character. Just enjoyed the hell out of it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Could not recommend it more. So I don't know. I think that's probably enough for me today. Um, Next week, TBD might be off next week, but I'll keep you posted on social media. Um, Thank you for listening. Appreciate you always. And if you want more, we have notes. The uh, Substack Substack is wehavenotes.substack.com. There is free subscription or... There's an, um, a paid subscription that is $5 a month or $50 a year. And there's also, they just um, added this functionality called notes on Substack. So of course we have notes, has to be on notes. And it's just like, they're tr- I, I mean, I just started trying it out like an hour ago and it's like kind of meant to be places where you could put like little bits of content that um, maybe doesn't fit into like your whole Substack or just like conversation starters and you can comment and it's for creators and readers. So I sent out an email about it. Um, hopefully you got if you subscribe. And then also, obviously, you can follow me on social media. I'm at Abby C. Gardner on Instagram and also at We Have Notes on Instagram and on TikTok and at Abby Gardner on Twitter. And um, until next we speak... I want to hear what your favorite, if you see air, what's your favorite, what's your favorite pop culture thing in there? Um, And also, I would like to know if you had a Cabbage Patch Kit, what their name was. Cool. Excellent. Thanks again for listening. And I will talk to you soon. Bye.